So this is the Wild Society podcast, and we have a very special guest and friend with us today, John Edwards. Um, John is a cohabitator of Bozeman, Montana, like myself. Um, we're both people who found our way here, and we both work in a very similar industry, or the same industry, I should say. Um, and. Honestly, John is one of the most interesting people I've gotten to know since I've been here. Um, very entrepreneurial. Um, he loves and has a passion for the outdoors, for hunting, for conservation, and for making really cool product. So there's a lot to learn from John, and uh, I look forward to our episode. But John... I'll, Great intro. Holy how smokes. was that? Gee, Did it do okay? I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It, it's fun. It's a fun place to be right now here in Bozeman, isn't it? It's interesting. Yes, Bozeman is still a great place. It has gone through quite a few changes of late. I'd say kind of during the COVID era, wouldn't you say? I, well, I was I was one of those changes. So yes. Yeah. I ran to Bozeman. Yep. Yep. Bozeman was uh a little known secret for a long, long time. And uh I moved here with my family full time about 20 years ago. And we were sort of part of, uh, you know, a group of people who uh, wanted to settle in Bozeman, raise our families, enjoy Montana and so forth. And uh, town just has a great, great feel. And it still does. There's been a, quite a few newcomers. Time will tell how many people, you know, go through winters like the one we just had. And, you know, it's a good winter here. Um but, we were uh, hoping it would weed some out. <laughs> yeah, I think I think over time, you know, the people who live here full time are people who enjoy winter, enjoy all the seasons of Montana. But it's definitely not everyone's cup of tea because it, it's a it's a good winter. You know, my wife and I lived in the Flathead um, first, and my daughter went to school here. And we would come down, and the thing that we noticed about Bozeman was how often the sun was shining, as compared to the Flathead. We get a lot of, we had a lot of inversions up there. Um, I would say that the weather, it, the winter wasn't as cold in 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 the Flathead, by and large, my experience. But um, but Bozeman has sunshine. It has. And just an endless amount of things to do um, and very little private property. There's so much public land to go and take advantage of. And we snowmobile and cross country ski and snowshoe. And so the winter to us is a pretty important part of being here. Yeah, that's just it. I think the pe like I said, the people who choose to live here full time year around um, are people who enjoy winter sports. And, you know, we have lots and lots of winter activities. So. When it's cold and it gets, you know, we had, I, by my count, three cold snaps this winter where we'd get 30 or so below. Um, you know, that's a that's the kind of thing that many people don't like. For people who enjoy it, those cold snaps typically are not super windy. Uh, the sun is shining. It, it's 30 below zero, but it's, it's not like Chicago or places where it's a real wet, windy cold, you know. And uh, yeah, the winter winter sports here are fantastic. I always tell everybody the coldest I've ever been was uh, 30 degrees in southern Mississippi along the Mississippi River. I believe it. That was way colder than our coldest cold. Although right before Christmas this year, 
That was epic. I think we, my wife and I were going to see her, uh, my, her folks down in Denver. And when we left Bozeman on the day before Christmas Eve, the 23rd, it was 46 below zero at the bank when we were driving out of town. That's dangerous. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and when it, when we get weather, that's like the way I like to say it, you know, part of what I love about Montana is there's just times there's days there's a a morning sunrise or a sunset where it just stops you in your tracks and you just go wow look at that Uh, you know we had the northern lights this year we don't get the northern lights very often but uh and eastern montana has its own its own beauty and and dna out there but uh we get weather and you know up at my house which is north of town um we had a fire, what, three years ago, yeah. a really bad fire. People lost their homes. We've had wind events and, you know, you get hundred mile an hour wind events. Yeah. So we've had a roof blown off a barn. Uh, you get weather. Yeah. Uh, it's part of the deal. Part of the deal. Uh, yeah. But there's a lot of days you wake up, like you said, and you, and you walk outside and you're like, wow, I get to live here. And that happens here more than anywhere else I've ever lived. It's my favorite place, no, no doubt. So, but th- I shouldn't be saying that. Actually, it sucks here. We're thinking yeah, of leaving. That's where we were trying to go. Yeah, and I hate it here. Yeah, like, you guys yeah. wouldn't like it. Don't come here. But, <laughs> but the outdoor industry has definitely come here. It is almost unbelievable. It like walking down the street, who you run into here from our industry, and uh, and so that was honestly that wasn't our plan for why we came here. We came here because we thought it would be a cool place to live, and evidently we weren't alone. And uh, but it's been great for our consulting side of our business. Um, our customers, our clients are here, and so we keep busy with those things, and that's awesome. Although the iterate, uh, as we've iterated here, um, we've started to percolate our own brands, so we're doing less consulting. In fact, today we have one consulting client, and and John, I'm going to tell you that you were a big part of why we have that consulting client because they're friends of yours. Who is it? It's uh, the guys from Stealth Vision. Oh yeah, and I got to tell you, I was not, I was probably, uh, as cynical about it in the beginning because I've, I've been in that industry for so long and I've heard all the promises. Um, you know, at one time I helped run defiance machine and, and, uh, and, and a several other firearms companies. And so, um, when they told me they had some secret sauce, I, I, I sort of, yeah, okay. I've heard that before, but I just returned from Crockett, Texas and um i am a i am a absolute i bleed stealth vision and that's hard for me to say wow that's really interesting i you know i don't know a whole bunch about it. i'm actually kind of uh, looking forward to catching up with you and uh and and you know picking your brain on it cuz it sounds like maybe there's a innovation there in uh in the uh in the rifle scope and optics yeah. situation. And and what they're doing on their rifles is actually really impressive as well. Uh-huh. And um, so, yeah, there's, we'll, we'll dig into some of that. I, I, I think we just gave them a shout out. So hopefully doc, yeah. doc will appreciate that. So big Joe, um, <laughs> we, we were having breakfast at the sheep show and they just happened to sit down next to me. Uh, everything else was full. And we, and I'm not a terribly social person with people I've never met. I typically don't actually talk to anybody if I'm being honest, because um, I don't know, maybe it's part of getting older. 
Are you like that at all? Do you like to socialize, John? You know what? Getting old is, what's the great line? Some famous actress, I want to say it was like Betty Davis or somebody said, getting old ain't for sissies. (laughs) (laughs) That's a true thing. You know, this is the first time in my life I've woken up with something that hurts (laughs) so bad that I feel like I played a football game. Dan Carvey has a hilarious bit about it. It's like, I got out of bed and injured myself. You know, it's just like, come on. You hurt if you don't do anything. And then you hurt if you do too much. So I'll be 55 and what is today? The sixth or the second, excuse me. What is today? Today is the third. Yeah. I'm five days from being 55. Well, you're a spring chicken kid. I'm, uh, I'm, <laughs> you I'm, don't, you, I'm you 63 pal. And it, uh, like, yeah, it's, it's funny because, you know, a lot of us in the hunting industry, we played sports when we were kids, yep. you know, yep. of course I know you were a wrestler and I'm sure did lots of other things. And I played some sports and, you know, and you're just used to getting to know your body and getting yep. in shape and training and recovering and competing and all that good stuff. Um, it's still true. Just it changes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've got a sheep hunt to get ready for. And, uh, you know, Brendan likes to say, well, just don't ever get out of shape. I'm like, eh, it's hard for me. I kind of more of a binge and purge type person. But uh, I need the crisis of a sheep hunt to get my ass moving. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. I don't love the working out anymore for the sake of working out. For the out. sake of working out. It just gets a little harder. So as a competitive people, you know, you hang something out there. It's like, all right, man, it's time to go. Let's. Well, let me see this, John. I have followed you in a camp with our dear friend, Mr. Cronenberger up at Freelance Adventures. Uh, yes. And not fun, not stalked me, but like, no, no. We're in well, the camp it could have felt that way. <laughs> it could feel that way. But um, you say that you're 63 and it all hurts. But so Lance. Is, you're, you're the barometer by which all of his other clients get measured, if I'm being honest. Oh, He's yes. like, man, John's a tough son of a gun. And I was like, yeah, well, he played. And you're real modest about you played sports. You didn't just play sports. You were a division one. I, I think this is true. A division one point guard at how tall are you? Yeah, well, I used to be five, nine and th- between three quarters and uh, seven eights. Not so to, you were not, Muggsy Bogues. Not to be. <laughs> Spud Webb. But you were a high level point guard in a Division One school. Muggsy Bogues was the real deal. That guy came out of Dunbar, I think, Baltimore area. And uh, I'm friends with a guy named Frank Burkowski up in the Flathead who played 13 or 15 years in the NBA, started in the NBA Finals. And Frank would tell me that this guy, Muggsy Bogues, was one tough SOB. And he's even shorter than I am, believe it or not. And big hops. But. Oh, he was, well, he was just super tough, super quick. I mean, there's a place for a little point guard in, in the era when I was playing. It's harder and harder every year, but there's still some. Who's the really good point guard I saw in the tournament this year? So they're out there. They're out there, but there are yeah. not many of them. But I was just super lucky. Uh, my high school basketball team, I don't know what the real stats are, but four or five people played Division One. We wow. won NorCal two out of the three years I was there. You know, we were like, let me not exaggerate this. We were like six nine, six eight, six seven, six four, five nine, six four, two guard who could just absolutely fly and dunk. And our six seven guy, 
played at Ohio State, D1 on a full ride. And I, I wouldn't hardly give him the ball, you know, because I thought he was kind of a pussy on defense. Uh-huh. Uh, can you say that? On yeah, you, that's the beauty of this stuff is we can say whatever we want. No one's going to come after us. <laughs> Sorry, I try not. To, I'm going to try to modulate my language a little bit. But anyway. I'll be a bad influence. He's a good dude. So he, he, the guy played D1 at Ohio State, and he was the third leading scorer on our high school team. So we had some really good players. Wow. And the thing I figured out as a point guard is you got to have good big guys. Yeah. It doesn't do anything. You can be the world's greatest point guard. If you don't have good big guys, you, you, you're not in again. Unless you're Magic Johnson. Well, that, then you can just go play center when Kareem goes that, down. That's true. Magic is a whole other level. <laughs> well, he's not a little guy, though, either. So. Ah, six, nine point guard. Yeah. You know, Ben Simmons, when I first saw him, I thought, man, that guy's going to be unbelievable. But he plays defense. He actually does play defense. Yeah. He's a glove. Yeah. But he won't shoot the ball or he can't. I don't know what it is, but he won't and he can't. So anyway, long story short, there's there's a rare birds too. But I say all that because when I got to Uni, Uniclete with Lance, it wasn't long into the first uh, – he gave us a disciplinary walk the first day. And I think it had something to do with the fact that about this. we had too much stuff. We brought too much stuff. And, and he said I brought a water bed, which is – I brought an X-ped, like the maximum thing. It was so comfortable. It was worth the walk, but um, he said that we were. Uh, I don't want, he said I was. I don't want to say we. It was me. He was picking on me. He said because you were with Will. I was with Will, and and Will's in great shape. He, like he has a personal trainer, and he's yeah. doing his thing. He loves to work out. He was a Division One baseball player. Yeah, and Will's exactly good at everything. I don't know if you know that about him. I do know that. Yeah, yeah. and you are too. Like Jeff's being modest here. Jeff is is a total stud wrestling superstar of some no, kind. Never. I don't know. No, I was never any I, of those things. My friends would be shaking their heads right now. <laughs> I was a small fish in a small pond in Pennsylvania. And and I love sports though. I will say that. I love sports. I love to play. I am probably way more competitive than I am competent. So uh, my expectations of myself far exceed my capabilities. Um, but I love to compete. And I think Lance Lance is an uber competitive guy too. I know he is. Right? Yeah. And, and he's a, a basketball and player. And a good athlete. And heck, and heck of an Like, yeah. doesn't he look like you could break him with like – I mean, he, there's not much to that guy. There's not, but what a scrap iron man. He is like <laughs> mentally oh tough. Oh my God, can he leg it out in the mountains? He Unbelievable. Does. With with an ACL with, that doesn't exist. Yeah, he has to like put a knee on in the morning. It's it's crazy. Well, I was trying to use that as my excuse for why I couldn't go like you did. And I said, well, hey, I, I've had a knee replacement. And he's like, Jeff, I don't even have a knee. I'm like, wow, gee, many fires. So John's That's older good, than me, and kicks my point. ass, and Lance doesn't even have a knee, and he kicks my ass. <laughs> You were referring to was a, was a lifetime trip for me. Never forget it. I was able to take my two sons and we got to kill two great moose and a bear. Uh, and it was fantastic. But like the days in my life to, to do all of that, like I think maybe I could kill another moose. Maybe if I really trained my butt off, but you forget how hard that tundra is, man. It's a butt kicker, at least where we were at. There was like, no easy place to step. There's not an easy step in the whole trip. No, I have a knee replacement and a rebuilt ankle on each side of my legs. So I'm terrified the entire time that I'm going to just eat it. Yeah. And then someone's flying me out of that place. 
And and honestly, the longer you're there, the more used to it you get. But I never got used to it. I just got more. I maybe I don't know. I got more competent at at falling down. That's probably the best way to describe it. But I kept falling into stuff, which oh, is yeah. probably well, the way you, my whole life works. You could not to. Well, yeah, okay, that's 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 ridiculous. But the, one of the funny stories about that trip before you guys got there, and, it, and maybe you've already told this, but I'll say it anyway. So we, we my. Killed a really nice moose. My son, Jack, shot a beautiful, made a great shot in a tough situation, et cetera. And uh, great bull. We were all super happy. Then we killed Grizz, whole thing there. So now we got one moose to kill. And um, I gave the tag to my son, Michael. Uh, that was a bad move. I should have kept that tag. But uh, <laughs> anyhow, so, yes, you oh, man. so we fly <laughs> to a whole new place. This was the craziest moose hunting I've ever seen. I mean, they were hopping around like jackrabbits. It was crazy. Unbelievable. And good bulls and yeah. lots of them. So we're, we're you know, ready to kill a very nice bull. We've been super happy. Lance looks at my son, Michael, and says, well, if you want to kill him, you know, he's a, he's a great bull. I think we can probably do better. And at this point, one moose, one big grizzly bear, a bazillion miles. I'm getting old. I'm, I'm just saying to myself, please shoot this bull. Please shoot this bull. My son, Michael says, no. Yeah, let's keep going. I love that. There's not many young people that have that kind of like, hey, this is really uncomfortable, but I'm going to stay strong. And I shouldn't say that. I, I haven't been around a lot of those young people. How's that? But your son is that guy. Well, he's, he, he's about that life. He made he made a great uh, call, and Lance Lance ultimately made made the great call. And then, sure enough, you know, however many freaking miles later, and I'm I'm my, my uh, stamina is waning at this point. Shall we say? Uh, Lance catches a glimpse of a horn way out in the middle of nowhere and bang, that turns into this great Boone and Crockett bull that we kill. So yeah, that was awesome. a stud. And then you come along and kill one just a little bit bigger. But it was, um, I had very little to do with it other than just pulling the trigger because I like, so I killed a grizzly first and, and he was a stud. And I, I said to Will, like, this, this is already, I was a guest. I would, I didn't even, I don't know if it's okay. I, I didn't pay to be there. Will had an empty spot. Someone canceled and he was so kind and invited me. And he was like, no, Jeff, I've killed bears. I, w- I want you to get that one. And I was like, well, Hey, look, I'm, I'm just a guest. And and he was super gracious as he always is. So I, once I got the bear, I would kind of check the box. Like I'm good. And, uh, and so we were very focused on Will and Will was hunting with a bow, which to me, after being there for about a day and a half, seemed like a terrible idea. Not, and I worked in the archery industry and I loved to bow hunt, but it was a tough spot. And he killed a stud bull with his bow and it went perfect. But they were going to kill that bull when we were going to skin out my bear. But uh, Lance had flown a new guide in to skin out my bear because he wanted his guides everybody to go that could remember who that was uh he flew yeah kai kai what a stud that dude's Love just that a kid. badass what a great kid so we see the boy eventually kill at 40 yards but because kai had flown in that day we couldn't shoot him like we could have killed him 50 times and it would have been the easiest hike out and i would have been and i was pretty despondent if i'm being honest because i was hurting and yeah. it was wore out we were 16 days in that yeah yeah and so but w- here again, if it's not for Lance, because he's 
he's just not going to give up. And I went up to, we were glassing and it started snowing and we couldn't see anything. And I was like, Lance, like we're up here. Like we should just go get warm and get something to drink. And he's like, that's a great idea. You guys go do that. And and as a man, that's hard to be like, okay, I'm going to go down there and do that while you stay up here. And he was adamant about it. So in the first time, that was probably the first time in my life. I was like, I'm beat. I'm just giving up. I went down to the tent. We had some cider and laughed and, and he stayed out and, and until dark and he wasn't coming in. So I went up to check on him and he was laying in his spotting scope and he was covered, mostly covered in snow, like unaware that it was snowing, but he had found the moose again. And so he put him to bed that night and the next morning we went and got him. That's, that's Lance all over. Yeah. That guy's amazing. Yeah, he really is. We're talking about Lance Kronberger. Who's just one of the amazing guys in the hunting business. For he sure. really is the top of the chain in my book. He's definitely is, man. I mean, I just can't say enough good things about the man. I, I love him. Since I've been here, I've gotten to hunt with some people that um, I've worked in the hunting industry forever. As you know, I'm 94, I think is when I started, but I've gotten to hunt with some great hunters. You know, um, the two greatest hunters I've been able to hunt with, though, have been people that I've hunted with since I've moved to Bozeman. And one is Lance and the other one's Brendan. And I can say this, I used to think of myself as a pretty good hunter, but now that I know what it looks like, I'm a hunter. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I'm just a hunter. Hey, uh, that's not what Lance tells me about you at all. First of all, he's very kind. And, uh, he, he says you are an elite level hunter and I'm sure that's true. And will also, you know, will, I think he's a badass level badass guy. And, uh, and then Brendan, you know, is, is obviously a badass. And so that is the, you, you three and plus Lance are people I look up to. And, you know, I, I'm definitely not, but I love it. I love to hunt and I try my best and I enjoy the piss out of it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you get what you get in life, you know, and that's the beauty of hunting, isn't it? It really is, you know, and, and the things you learn in hunter education when you're 11 years old are turn out to be true. Yeah. And, you know, give me a good example of something like that. What I'm referring to specifically is the stages of a hunter. And when you start out as a kid and you kill a three by mule deer buck and you're stoked. Yeah. Anything. Just kill anything. anything. And as you get older, you derive more enjoyment out of your friends and your family and your children and your grandchildren and other people who may be new to hunting, you know? So you, you begin to enjoy all of that as much or more than your own, uh, goals in hunting. A topic in hunting these days that I think is a very important one is this whole subject of trophy hunting. And it's a conversation that has to be had, has to continue to be had. It's very acute here in Montana. We have more and more out-of-state license plates, people coming in, which is fine. It's great. It's fine. But they're, quote-unquote, meat hunting. And nothing wrong with that. Nope, not at all. Nothing wrong with that at all. Of course, we fully endorse it. But I don't love those people shooting small mule deer bucks because we need to manage our mule deer better in Montana in particular. I would agree with that. And so if you want to hunt and shoot a small buck or doe or whatever you want, shoot a whitetail. Yeah. You know, we've got tons of them and they're they're good eating Yeah, and just have a ball. Yep. You know, and, and if, 
Because really what you're not doing is, I don't think a lot of these people are subsistence hunting, right? There's tradition in Montana, ranch families will kill venison for food. Yeah. And it's an important part of their of their life. And, and, and the economics of and it. And the too. economics of it. Yep. And, and that there's tradition and culture there that's very meaningful to Montanans. And I support it completely. Yep. But it's the recreational hunter who may be, you know, kind of new to the sport and coming in. I, I feel like that those meat hunters is fine, but be smart about it. Yeah. You know, educate yourself. Where were we? Look, folks, we had a little disruption. We are using our portable studio because that's all we have. Because honestly, it's worked out pretty good for us to do. But now I've just figured out the one reason why you don't want to do it. Because if your batteries die, and I've done 10 podcasts without changing the batteries. So, and these batteries were probably a couple years old. So I shouldn't complain. But man, I, it went to, it went, it went from full bars to one bar and then it just went away. It was pretty quick. So anyway, where were we? We were talking about something that we, oh, we were talking about building stuff or was that, did that happen after? <laughs> I think that was during the break. Uh, but building stuff is good. I'm trying to think what we were talking about. We were still up in Alaska killing moose or what the heck were we doing? No, we had, we'd, we'd gotten off on a tangent somewhere. Oh, no, we were talking about mule deer and, and yes, non-residents right. and stuff like that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John, Me you're honey. more than just a great guest. You're also someone wow. who keeps me on point. So thank you for that. That's the we were talking about random the, access memory at work. Have you noticed a change in your memory as you've aged? <laughs> yes. Everything freaking changes, man. But... Yeah, memory is one of those things that you kind of got to, at least I have to kind of work on. And uh, But yeah, it, it changed. I've been taking some supplements. And if you'd ask me, other than fish oil, I don't know what they are. Because my wife is um, a nutritionist and someone who has been a high-level athlete most of her life. And she, so her regimen for food is amazing. In fact, I took her on the brown bear hunt to Kodiak. And okay. she absolutely kicked my ass. Nice. And um. And she can do that. She went on my stone sheep hunt and she helped carry my stuff for me again. Well, I'm the same way. My lovely wife, Suzanne, we've been married, gosh, I don't know, almost 30 years, I guess. <clears throat> and she's awesome. She's uh, very tough and nutrition minded, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, she's basically all her world is about horses. And uh, so anyway, but yeah, she's a good inspiration for me. Tries to keep me eating halfway decent. Yeah. When I'm yeah. home, I'm perfect because I don't have a choice. So my wife doesn't have anything there I can get in the trouble. The best with. I ever eat is if I'm on a 10-day mountain deal and you're just, you know, high exertion and really going for it and you got adrenaline buzzing around and and then I can live on nuts and berries and water and, you know, feel pretty dang good. Um, I watched something on YouTube, which I was a late entrant into the world of YouTube, but I'll be honest, I pretty much don't watch anything else as an information seeker and a curious person, like I'll make notes during the day of things that I don't know about that I wish I did. And at night when I get home, I usually, I'm a seven o'clock, I'm starting to get it wound down. I used to go late. I don't anymore, but I'll pop out that list. And I've learned about the craziest shit that I never, yeah. I've always wondered about. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to Kyle's cabin. I love this kid. We were just talking about him. <laughs> like we were both going to, uh, we, were, we were both talking about building a cabin and, and uh, it was kind of interesting. We're both on the same path. We both watched the same guy. Kyle's cabin on YouTube is amazing. Yeah. Subscribe. He's, he's great. And, uh, 
he he did this thing on the button pass method and i was just showing you i i got on a bender or whatever and decided to build one out of used fence rails and i just had so much fun doing it it was a kicking kick it's a pants. cool cabin and and we uh did a blast from my childhood because dick Prenicky, um alone in the wilderness yeah um that was something that would be like a sunday on pbs yeah. and if it was a rainy day on a sunday we didn't have to work on the farm and so it would uh, invariably I would look for that and I watched it. And in fact, not maybe six months ago, I found it on YouTube. Somebody had put it up there and I watched it all over again. And then there was a whole bunch of stuff that was about his life afterwards that I'd never seen. Fascinating guy. And Super if you've never smart. seen it, go check it out. Alone in the wilderness, Dick Pranky. Yeah. Great. That's inspiring. Yeah, it is. And your cabin looks like his. It, it, it eh, definitely eh, reminds eh, me of it. Not, well, thanks, but uh, you know, not, not really. Uh, um, the Mount. Uh, so Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah. Maybe this is a better comparative. You, you decide. When he runs into the older guy who asks him if you've ever skinned a grizz. Yeah. That cabin was along the same line of yours. That's a great cabin. I think the picture I showed you of my cabin does it more justice than it deserves. <laughs> it's nowhere near like that. But I tell you what, we'll, set, we'll settle this. We'll, we'll, we'll have a, a cookout there. We just... We just had a huge tree fall. We were losing cottonwoods down there like crazy. And what is it from? From yeah, the just, light just or from something? just from the big winter ah. and a high water table had a giant cottonwood fell right behind the cabin, missed it by six inches uh, two days ago. So it's it's a kind of thing where the cabin sits in a in a creek bottom. Uh, and is surrounded by cottonwood. So we're a little bit concerned. We're going to have to make sure we get the ones out of there that need to get taken down. But you, you know, you look around and you go, well, this would be a great place for a cabin in the shade. These big trees have been here forever. So what are the odds they're going to fall down? And then we get a winter like this one. Yeah. Yeah. Been crazy. Well, you build a lot of stuff, John. You've, you've had a career of building stuff. Isn't that a fair statement? Uh, you know, yeah, I think it, I, we enjoy it at, at Schnee's. We, we work hard at it and we've been very, very lucky and uh, work with some really talented boot makers uh, and garment makers and other things. So we, we enjoy it and we, we're, we're trying to continue to get better every, every day. Uh, enjoy the process of trying to innovate and find new materials and different uh, ways of doing things. But uh, every once in a while you get um, a franchise type of hunting boot that hopefully stays around for years and years and becomes part of the vernacular and stuff like that. And we've got a couple that might be in that, that class. I would say um, in 1994, when I moved to Utah, it was around 94. I don't want to, maybe 93, but anyway, I was on an elk hunt in Colorado and became great friends with a guy who's still one of my great friends. His name's Wayne Pinnell. Mm -hmm. And he was running a ranch called Cathedral Bluffs at the time. And I love horses. We share that same passion. Yeah, me too. And, um, and so we were there to elk hunt, but I said to him, like, if you would ever need anybody to come over and help you cowboy, it would be like a dream for me. I've never done it. I was a you know, we worked on dairy farms and things like that. So like being a real cowboy sounded awesome. And so I showed up over there one year and it was, um, 
it was on the day before New Year's. Um, we were off at Hoyt. I, we had vacation and holiday time. So I was there for five days. And every morning he would strap on his Schnee's pack style cowboy boot that could hold a spur. And I'd never even conceptualized something like that. But the longer I was there, the more I realized how important it would be to have something like that. Would that have been not, would that be accurate, that time frame? Well, yeah. So the you know the history of the Schnee pack boot line is is really interesting. And I had nothing to do with it. I, I, I fell in love with them and bought the business, but I had, I can claim zero credit for designing, inventing, developing. Now we're at a point all these years later where we're looking at some, some new things that we're pretty excited about. Um, but, um, you know, I, I enjoy horses a ton, kind of mostly through my wife these days, but also riders and packers we were talking about cutting horses yep. you know and i've become friends with wiley frazier who's a dear friend and a, and a real genuine cowboy um i am not anywhere near a real, real genuine cowboy but i admire the piss out of these guys i me love too. them yeah I, there's nothing no greater sport in the world to me than rodeo i just think these guys are and gals are just phenomenal they're so, athletes beyond the realm of comprehension unbelievable and i love the culture of it mm -hmm. i love just everything about genuine Western uh, cowboys and cowgirls. And it, it, our friends up in Canada are just fantastic off the charts. There's a common sort of denominator of these people and it's how they live their life. Yeah. People of, you can shake their hand and that's their bond. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's just a thing that I really value. So um, I enjoy it. I'm blessed to have a good horse and a great mule. And, uh, but you know, I, I try to, you know, watch YouTube and listen and learn from from the real pros because uh, there, there's a bunch of them out there. And I just look up to these people a lot. Me too, John. And, yeah. and I think what's cool is you've taken a brand that was, you know, very much it, it still is. It's woven into the fabric of that lifestyle. Yeah. Um, Schnee's boots are something that you would have a hard time not seeing on somebody who rides a horse in the wintertime in the West. They all wear them. Well, thanks. Yeah. It's again, I, I'm the beneficiary of, of uh, so Steve Schnee and his wife uh, founded the business a long time ago and they had come out from the East Coast actually and were sort of inspired by L.L. Bean. Yep. Uh, the, the main hunting boot by Bean was an iconic uh, boot. For the East in, it in is. those days yeah. and still is. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, Steve and Gene came out and settled in Bozeman in the 70s um, and started a small uh, shoe repair business. Steve was a cobbler. And Steve is a tremendous mountaineer and he was a wrestler, he was a good athlete, you know, competitive guy and just a man I look up to, you know, tremendously. Um, is Steve still with us? Steve, yeah, he is. He lives in, Very lives cool. in Bozeman and um, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's still around and doing great. Um, and then I, I, I think you have to also acknowledge Jim Wingem had a lot to do with getting that boot going. And, um, uh, so when I, 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 I found the brand, honestly, on an elk hunt was going to go elk hunting in Idaho in the, in the gospel hump wilderness and the old world war II friend of mine, 
said, we should check out this boot called Schnee up in Bozeman, you know? And so I did, and I wore them on this hunt. I just like, dang, this, this is the real deal. Well, and Schnee in German is snow. Yeah. So we, we, we did one podcast. You got to come be our second pod, my first guest on our podcast. But, uh, we talk about that. It's like, how do you pronounce the name of the damn thing? <laughs> I, I still, I, I've had a German proctor and and worked hard at my German, and I call it Schnees because my friend called it Schnees, but I know better because I know that. In fact, we all talk about it because I'll say it wrong every day, and everybody here it's sort of like the Kuyu phenomenon. Huh. Like if you know, you know. I know, and I still do it wrong. But yeah, well, no, it's funny because I, I'm my, I'm like three quarters German. Uh, my my family, hundred percent on my mom's side, and half from my dad's side but uh and i've spent time in germany i set up an office in hamburg for a little bit and uh so i you know we have a lot of german-speaking people come through bozeman yeah there's actually a high very high per capita uh german population in this area um so i always like to say to native german speakers wie sagt man auf deutsch schnee oder schnee the word means snow in german and a true native german speaker whether from Austria, Switzerland, Germany, um, other parts of Western Europe, pronounce it about 10 different ways. So it's I can get spectrum. away with it. Oh, yeah. You can. And, and honestly, when I know it's about halfway between Schnee and Schnee. It's like, it's, oh, that's Schnee. Yeah. Oh, that, thanks a lot. Appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, that, that helps. <laughs> well, here's the biggest compliment I can give you um, of the many that you deserve. Most people, when buying a business, don't bother to understand the DNA of what started it. And, and it's really the, the tragedies of brands are out there. And you know this as well as I do. Um, they really are good at fucking them up, John. And I, oh, yeah. and I said that word right yeah. on the air. <laughs> so you're now you have a free oh, pass. Okay. <laughs> but you have well, done. My, my pastor, my church will listen to this. So I'm going to be Ooh. very, very careful. But anyway, you're forgiven. Go keep going. Sorry. Um, yeah, I set the bar low on that one, but um, <laughs> they screw it up and you didn't. In fact, what you've managed to do is not only stay true to the original, but you've brought about a lot of innovation and you've managed to keep the brand promise while you did it. Well, Kurt Smith deserves most of the credit for the innovation that we've done. He's done a tremendous job. He's actually in Italy as we speak, working on some really cool new stuff. And we've, uh, thanks to Kurt, uh, become partners with a family over there that is off the charts and we just love them and it's not a mass production facility it's super high quality hand craftsmanship so we we just very blessed to have be working with talented people and you know you're talking about constructing a boot for high performance durability comfort fit stability everything there's a lot of engineering that goes into it material science it's a very it's a thing and so you know our pack boot business uh it meant something to me to keep our legacy schnee packs in bozeman montana yep so when i bought the business we had a factory that i did not build um Jim was running it, doing a great job. And Steve was, and Jim had this great business. Well, I wanted to maintain that. There was a lot of temptation, a lot of pressure, honestly, to offshore that boot. Yep. 
I'd say, you know, people smarter than me, that's what they would have done. Uh, I was just stubborn and wanted to maintain that facility, which we still do to this day. And we're proud of that. You should be super proud of it. In fact, um, not only do you, do you build them here, you build at or above quality, which is everyone says can't be done. But you do see people if the ownership of the company is dedicated and disciplined, there's always a way. Um, I shouldn't say always there, there's a way that you found a way. And I think one of the things I'm, um, I personally believe in is that that brand means so much to the people who know. Well, I hope so. You know, thank you for saying that's nice. And, and thanks. And here again, the woman who runs our boot factory in Bozeman, Montana is a remarkable woman. So really none of this has anything to do with me other than I believe in America. I believe in American workers. I, I, I try to have a set of principles that I can stick to. Don't always succeed in that, but I, I like to say I try. Um, but Corrine Warden has been in that facility building what we think are the world's best pack boots for almost 30 years. Wow. That's day in and day out. That says a lot. Think about that. Think yeah. about the sort of person that has the tenacity and the just stick to stick to itiveness. And and she's she's a remarkable woman. So I can't say enough about Corrine. And uh she, you know, she'll retire one of these days and uh that'll be a fun party. <laughs> well, it sounds like she deserves a hell of a party. She does. Um you 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 uh you talk about her in such a wonderful way and 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 our people in business you know everyone talks about product and they talk about marketing campaigns and they talk about all the different things and they're all really important but the most important thing is the culture inside your business and that starts with the people who write the checks because if I, i've done turnarounds for a living and i can tell you where ownership's bad and employees are great i end up getting brought in yeah, it's got to be a partnership. You know, you got to really understand your people. And and again, we've just been blessed. We have a lot of phenomenal, uh, talented people in this community and uh, they keep on coming. Our college pumps them out. Montana yeah. State University. Amazing. Hats off to what they're doing up there. Uh, it's a great college and getting better. Great university. Um, we have four graduates from MSU in our organization. And I'll tell you what, they're they are smart, hardworking people. I tell everybody it's like a throwback. It reminds me of they're not like I've worked inside of companies all over the country and all over the world, actually. But the people here, the the, the folks that we've been blessed to have ourselves, um, they're old souls. I don't yeah. know how else to put it. It's like and I call them old souls because they have this pragmatism that I haven't seen in a while um, in some other places that I've been. Um, and and we're blessed. We have, like I said, we have an armada of them. And it's mostly because my daughter graduated from here and she was a great gatekeeper. She, she'd say, dad, you should hire this guy. And I didn't always have something for them, but I would hire them and, and they would come in and become invaluable. And I'm certain you've probably experienced the same thing. Oh, we, have, we have, and, and still, still do. We're, you know, we operate a store in downtown Bozeman where you sit down and someone takes off your shoes and measures your foot and fits you with lifestyle footwear or hunting boots or performance 
footwear, but we take it very seriously. It's old fashioned way of doing things. It feels so like when I was a kid, when I go, <laughs> I love going there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fun. It, it doesn't get easier. I'll tell you that. I mean, there's, there's pressures all the time, but we're fighting like heck to maintain that as a core part of who we are and what we do and what we believe in. Um, and people respond to it. You know, you can buy stuff and have it show up on your doorstep and that's good. We sell a lot of boots that way. So nothing wrong with it. Um, but if you get a chance at a trade show or come to see us and sit down and really get the full experience, it's worth it. Well, that is a truer statement. It's never been uh, said because I, I have a personal perspective that, you know, I'm here. I know you. I get to see your business. I interact with your employees both in your store and at shows because we're our, you know, this whole community, as much as it seems like a big industry, we're all, it's, it's a microcosm it's of small, the world. Yeah. yeah. And we run into each other everywhere. And it seems like, well, I can say this, like everybody that works with you is super appreciative of, of the way that they get to do their job. And so that's another one of those, you know, compliments and kudos to you for the way you treat your people and for the way you've picked them. You have a good picker because some people I've not always had a great picker. You have a great picker. John. Oh goodness. I mean, my people put up with me and I have great people. That's the way it is. And that's the truth. Not just saying that. So there's a woman I rely on very heavily named Stacy Farmer. She's from Miles City, Montana. and Greatest town on the earth. Tough as nails. We're going to be there for buck and horse sale later, I, later I will this see month. you there, my friend. Right on. Yeah. yeah. We're going to have uh, a good time. It's Stacy's anniversary. Uh, her husband, Ryan, is a great guy and a great friend. And... Uh, so they've got a little anniversary celebration plus buck and horse sale plus a birthday. So we're going to have fun. That sounds great. So um, my daughter graduated from MSU with Colt Coffee. Okay. Who his family is, um, I believe they're the owners of Stockman Bank or at least significant uh, shareholders. Um, and they have a ranch out in Miles City. And so Miles City has become something that I've become familiar with. And that is just my kind of town. Oh, man, me too. It's a cool spot. It is. Yeah. They grow monsters out there too, don't they? It's a fun place. Yeah, there's there's very good hunting in that area, you know, and got to know Travis Anderson and his wife, Deanna, who are dear friends. And Travis is a great guy. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a good Good thing. We're looking forward to it, but it grows smart, tough people. And that's Stacy Farmer. So, you know, we all rely heavily on her. She does a fantastic job. And what is it that, what, what is her job? She does operations, you know, so a little bit of everything kind of keeps me from making too many mistakes and handles a lot of the movement of merchandise and just lots of different roles, but kind of operations. So yeah. I, I was, before moving to Bozeman, I was a Loa and Scarpa guy mm -hmm. for my hunting boots. Um, pack boots were schnees, schnees, whatever we say. Um, but since moving here, uh, actually, Brendan Burns was the one who, who was my, who, who directed me there. He said, you ought to go down there and check out their boots. And, and I was like, well, I don't need pack boots. I, I need like hunting boots. And he's like, right you won't believe what they're doing down there. And um, so, you know, I, I went down to the store and bought some boots and started wearing them. And, and I don't know if it's now because it's like the Harley Davidson phenomenon, you know, like when you get your first bike, all of a sudden you realize how many other friends of yours do it as well. But it just seems like everywhere I go, either we all have the same friends or there's a lot more people wearing Schnee's boots than I remember. Well, thanks. Yeah. It's, we've been, again, 
Uh, so that's really a labor of love. We, we take pride in, in that stuff. And we have had great relationships and still do with LOA and SCARPA, great companies, yep. both of them legitimately yep. great companies um, and make great products. Uh, so we fit a lot of people in those boots. We know a lot about the construction of how boots are made and how important fit is to the success of any boot. There are times when a particular foot prefer, it's sort of like a rifle, you know, right. it likes a certain round. Yep. Uh, feet are kind of the same. Um, so you don't want to put a square peg in a round hole because you, you might be the greatest boot of all time, but if it doesn't fit properly, it's not going to work. No. That's all there is to it. That's right. So, um, yeah, we I, I think super highly of Loa. I think super highly of Scarpa. As do um, I. Among other brands. We have tried as best we can to take inspiration from brands like that and then go to our people in Italy and say, okay, this is the bar. Like, what can we do? Uh, to give really discriminating hunters, hunters who are hard on stuff, who are pushing the boundaries of stuff, tough conditions, tough terrain, uh, long periods of time, all the things that uh, separate high performance requirements from stuff that you could get away with something else. Every year, our outfitting business that we have here in the state is that at Spotted Bear Ranch, we do wilderness elk hunts, which are very demanding, much like a sheep hunt, honestly. Yes, for sure. In the Bob Marshall wilderness. It's it's not for the faint of heart. Right. And it's now on our recommended list. It's just really simple. Just get these boots from Schnee's. Well, thank you. Because, well, I, I don't do that because you're my friend. Um, I do it because the outcomes are good. And, um, and so that, that's a good thing for both of us that we're friends and we get to do that. Yeah. I would probably have not said anything, but no, there, <laughs> you make a great boot, a, a, a bunch of great boots. And it's, it's like, I, my wife says I have a boot problem. And in most marriages, the stereotype is that women have lots of shoes. Um, my wife has installed a plan, whereas I'm, I have like a Kanban that I have to stay within. <laughs> and so I was just down there and I saw your Kestrel when we were at the sheep show. I don't know. It's been out for a little longer than that, but I hadn't seen it. And, um, and I said to my wife, I'm like, I'm going to have to get a pair of Kestrels because they're really awesome. And she was like, yeah, but you're going to have to get rid of something first. <laughs> so I'm blessed right now. I have a, uh, my daughter's boyfriend who also works for us with us, excuse me, is the same shoe size. And so he is now my hand-me-down. Excellent. Now, yeah. It's well, good. Well, so we, we have a launch coming out June 1. We're, we're trying to tease it. Uh, but yeah, we've got a new launch coming out June one. That's going to be pretty neat. So I'm going to, I'll slip you a pair. You can start, uh, getting ahead of the curve. I'll get, I'll get some that, more hand-me-downs. Yeah. If you John, no, you had this thing, got to wait, man. This we got, it's going to be a, make it next July one, but we think it's ready and we're excited about it. So, uh, but we enjoy, we enjoy that process too. And we're, we're changing some of that about testing boots before they launch, like really putting them through the paces because talk about the Bob Marshall wilderness. People who live here and hunt the West hard are familiar mm -hmm. with the conditions out here. Many people get to come West and hunt big game, 
you know, one, once or twice in know, a lifetime periodically. Yeah. You know? So this is hard. We, we answer questions, you know, I'm going to come uh, bow hunting elk in, in Western Montana, September. What boot do I need? Well, the answer is, um, you know, it, it depends. <laughs> yeah. Cause the weather changes by the minute it can. Oh, good grief. And, and you, you know that. So you, it, you're going to strike a balance and do the best you can. You might have to put up with a with an insulated boot that's too hot if you get a warm patch. And you might have cold feet if you have an uninsulated boot and you get two feet of snow and it's zero degrees. Amen. And all of that can happen in September in Montana. <laughs> yeah, and it does frequently. Uh, was it not last year, but the year before? I think we had a big snow right before, like right as the opener for the wilderness. The Bob Marshall Wilderness opens around the 15th of September. Yeah. And that's for a rifle hunt. And you got a rifle hunt. In yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. Which is because we have so many grizzly bears. You're entering the food chain when you come hunting with us. And we all we yeah. talk about it. It's honest. Um, never have had an incident. So it's not scary that way. But we're very cautious. But the weather is so unpredictable. But here's what I know. You're going to get wet. You're going to get wet. Right? We cross rivers. We cross you know, the South Fork, the Spotted Bear River, all the creeks, the Dean Creeks. There's no way to get to elk where we're at that you're not going through the water. So having a boot that's truly waterproof is the other thing. And you guys have a great boot that stands up. And if you follow the care instructions, the performance is amazing. It's really true. And oh, thank you. I mean, thank you. I, I was about to say it's really true about following the care instructions. Uh, makes it makes a big difference. It does. It's like, you know, spend money on a performance, anything, take good care of it. Yeah. You know, I say the same to people about wool. If you are investing in wool base layer, uh, which I wouldn't hunt in anything but wool base same. layer personally. Yep. Um, take good care of that wool. It, it's, it's not polyester. It's, it's better. It's different. Uh, treat it with, uh, you know, like it's wool and it'll last a long time and take good care of it. So you have just segued where I was thinking about where I was going to no foreshadowing on this one, John, we're going to dive into that one because that's another one that I think you have a tiger by the tail with the Duckworth line. That's a cool product. And I, it's just like, I'm waiting for the explosion because you guys make a phenomenal product. I own some of it. I've bought some of it from your store and I'm yet to get anything that I haven't been completely blown away by. And I'll say that, and I'm and not in deference to my good friend, Brendan, who I do love. And you know that um, the Kuyu folks make great stuff, too. But your stuff at Duckworth, it it's worth some like we got to get the word out or something because it's a phenomenal product. Thank you. It's it's getting there. And it has been a labor of love, too. It's a great story. Let's tell uh, that. Tell oh, that story. John. Well, OK, so the the. Duckworth is a brand of wool garments that we started nine years ago. Yep. So it takes time. Well, and you didn't just start a, a product line. That would have been easy. <laughs> what you did is started from the source, right? The the whole the whole guts of Duckworth is the Helly family in in Dillon, Montana. We have cool place. we have partnered with one of the great old Montana families of all time. Uh, John Helly, his wife, Karen, their, their kids and brothers, Tom Helly family, Evan Weston, they're just fantastic people. And they are sheep ranchers for a hundred plus years. And so be, cool. being a sheep rancher is hard, mm. really, really hard. Yep. And, uh, it takes a certain type of toughness and intelligence and, uh, 
to be able to do it. And so, again, just just serendipity and the way the world works. I've managed to become friends with these people. And uh, so they grow the largest clip of fine micron Rambouillet Merino in North America. They they're brilliant, intelligent people. They are. So they that was have genetically uh, engineered their herd uh, over the years for uh, comfort factor and uh, a staple that is appropriate for use in next to skin applications. So they just they grow great wool. They do. And and so this is the Duckworth story. Like most brands, you buy anything, right? What happens is. Uh, a brand will go buy fabric yep. and construct a garment and nothing wrong with that works great. Well, Duckworth starts with an animal on four legs. Yeah. We give him a haircut or her goes through the whole process of uh, becoming, you know, th- then we, we make all of our own yarn. Yeah. We spin yarn and then we knit fabric, dye and finish it. Uh, we also do some woven fabric now and, and that you're doing for some elasticity or what is it that you're, yeah, well, the the nice thing about Montana Merino as compared with Australia, New Zealand, uh, is it's more elastic naturally. Sweet. It's a wavier fiber. Yep. Uh, Australia wool, for example, is, is a longer, straighter fiber. So in order to get stretch and mechanical movement, you have to typically put put something in, in to uh, give that characteristic. But anyway, our wool is very stretchy, which gives it a great warmth to weight ratio, and et cetera, et cetera. It makes it a little challenging to do yarns and fabrics, but uh, we've, we've managed to, to figure that out. So we're super stoked about it. And uh, yeah, it's got a bright future. Um- it's when you say nine years, people would be like, wow, that's a long time. But when you realize just how much you guys have soldiered through and figured out, because you're also making that domestically, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My friend, sorry, <laughs> left, left that out. Yeah. All in the USA. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that's part of the DNA of it. And uh, so that that adds a certain element. But again, it's labor of love and it's going good. We've made a ton of mistakes. I've made a ton of mistakes. Uh, but we've soldiered on, as you said, and mm-hmm. you know sometimes there's only one way to the top, and you got to make a few mistakes, and that's what we've done. You know, one of these days you'll be an overnight success. <laughs> exactly. Right? Exactly. Isn't that how it works? You just work hard. Um, somebody told me early in my career, I don't remember who it was the first time. I've heard it. I'm sure you, we all have, but you know, it's like if you never quit, you'll never lose. And when you say it's been a labor of love. My respect for you as a business person um, was already really high. I, I just, from the minute I met you, I just knew what you were. And, but to, to watch you talk through that and to sit through one of the, I was given the opportunity to sit through a meeting. And once I really understood the whole story, I was like, wow, like that is stick to that most people in our society today don't even begin to comprehend. Well, thank you again. Uh, nice of you to say that. Uh, the you just don't partner with people like the Hellies, and you know, as soon as you sign sign up for that, it's it's like we're going no matter what. Yeah, you're not going to let them. There's down. no quitting. 
No, you know, it just doesn't doesn't enter the vocabulary. But I think I think there's lessons to be learned from that in this day and age in particular. You know, there's still a place, and you've done it so many times. All the business success you've had blows my mind, and what you're doing now is just incredible to me. Uh, but uh, I think we'd both agree that young people today can learn from the fact that hard work and dedication and perseverance can still take a person quite a long ways. Yeah. You know, the technology world, and you've been in that world too. Um, their perception is, is that somebody comes up with a great idea, they go out and raise a bunch of money and they become a billionaire. And it's like, well, not really. Um, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, they, they were not an overnight success. They went through so many iterations. Steve was, Jobs was fired from his own company. I mean, like he had to go through it all to learn what really worked. And when he came back, he was he was 10 times better than he was when he was there the first time. I think that's a fair statement. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. So when I see what you guys are doing, it's like, wow, they're building, they're building something. And and the the tribal knowledge that you're building, like that's generationally impactful. And I think that's what that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, I think so. And by the way, I love the Kuyu Wool story too. Kuyu's doing some amazing stuff, and I do love Brendan too. Um, so, there's, well, you, you, do you mind if I say this? No, next? no, go, go ahead. You were a board member for Kuyu. I was for a time, and so I'm very cautious about maintaining confidentiality. Of yes, course, but I just say I think very highly of that brand and have enjoyed, you know, uh, watching it from inception to today and isn't it a crazy story it is yeah like from 2011 to now what they've managed to do i i don't know how much board interaction there is between the executive team i don't i don't know any of those things but i know this if somebody gave me the opportunity to work with the people that were there from the beginning i would dive in oh yeah because what they've done is miraculous. Yep. I give a ton of credit to Brandon, Melissa, John English, a bunch of those people I, I think have just, you know, Whitman and, and, you know, Hey, Whitman. Um, and then, you know, Lance and you and Will and a bunch of people who've been super helpful and influential, you know, um, and obviously Jason, um, his know, vision Jason, was amazing. Jason. Yeah. yeah. Can't, and, and, uh, Brendan has said this to me several times. He's like his enthusiasm and his passion for building great clothing was incredibly infectious. And that's the culture that's still there, but it's, it is amazing. But when I look at what you guys are doing, your road was a longer road to start with. You're starting from, from the sheep. Like you're the Thomas Keller of, of technical apparel and, and Thomas Keller from the French laundry has really ushered in this whole like farm to table restaurant craze, Well, yeah, which is a hard way to go. It it, it is. And and that's like, you have to be about half stupid to try Duckworth, frankly, and that (laughs) suits me, suits me to a T. But, but really I got to say this in, in transparency, like it's, it's the brainchild of a very talented guy named Rob Bernthal and goes by Bernie. And he's been in the outdoor business a long time. He's a tremendous skier. He was a pro soccer player. He's a very talented guy. And uh, he came to me with the idea and I loved it. And I was like, yeah, man, sign me up. I'm, I want to play. So where are we in the uh, 
iterate uh, cycle of life in Duckworth today. We have finished product, we have a proven process, and we're selling. We, you, are you and yours are selling product. So D- Duckworth is now has a tremendous management team, uh, and and really has matured. So some talented people, Dan Mao, Mike Summerby, Kenya, uh, really, really come a long way. And, uh, it's, it's become a a pure direct to consumer business model. So if you think about it, the only way you can really compete with an offshore brand or lower labor cost, uh, structures, um, is to sell directly to the end user. Yep. It's what we do at Schnee's. Yeah. We sell our boots only at Schnee's. Right. To the to the end user. It's a direct to consumer model, um, which, in my mind, is is applicable for certain types of businesses where costs can be high. Um, if I were to try to sell Schnee boots at Sportsman's Warehouse, they'd be eight hundred and fifty dollars. Right. You can't do it. Right. Um, because, you know, people don't want to spend $850 for a pair of boots. But that would have to be the markups to make it worth everybody's. In order to keep the lights on, that's just the economics of the business. So we have found that we can be successful. We have a 12,000 foot store in historic downtown and we have uh, trade shows where we see our customers and we have a web business. Mm-hmm. And many of our customers, once you find your fit, you wear a bear, Schnee Beartooth. And, you know, you're an 11 wide bang. That should work for your granite. That should work for your Kestrel. And so, you know, it works. Your sizing is one of your strengths. We try really hard. It's very difficult. Yeah. But it is definitely important because, you know, how'd you like to be a customer and you think you're an 11 wide and, and all of a sudden you get an 11 wide and it's it's not the right size. It's no fun. That That's one of the difficult things that you've overcome with your relationship with the folks in Italy mm-hmm. is normally, and I'm not picking on anyone, I'm not even going to name a name, but they go over there and buy something off the shelf that is being produced. Well, those things um, create issues in sizing, right? Because what is one person's 11 wide is another person's 12 D. And, and as much as that's ridiculous to think that, but there's no consistency when you have a variation in the supplier. Yeah. And that's, that's right. And look, we don't bat a thousand. Nobody does. No. Okay. No, no. But what we can say is we're going to try to bat a thousand. Right. We're going to work our butts off. Uh, and then over time, if you seek perfection, you will achieve greatness, you know? And, and so that's kind of our mantra. Um, but it takes work and, and it takes some talented people who are literally, you know, creating that product. I was in your store the other day. Um, whenever anybody comes into town and they're like, take me where the local shop, that's the thing, right? They don't want to go to the, the chain store. They want to go to the authentic place. And I'm like, well, I got the spot. And I'm not saying that cause you're sitting here, you know, I was in your store cause I sent you a text, but, um, I walk in there and I met a young man named Nick in the store and he was a phenomenal ambassador, first of all, for your store. He's a great guy. Yeah. First time I've ever met him. Yeah. Just smart, has a plan. And then you have a store manager that he was just coming in the door when I was getting ready to leave. I didn't have a chance to visit with him, but his question was, did you guys find everything you needed? Do you have any questions? And I thought, wow, like 
can't get in and out of this place without somebody checking in, but never feel like you're getting run on. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a, it's a thing that, again, Kurt Smith learned from Steve Schnee. And Steve Schnee taught Kurt, and Kurt has helped teach me a little bit. But we we try the best that we can to train on those things. Because think about it. Some people come into the store, and they want to be helped. Mm-hmm. Like, hi, I need some help, please. Yep. I would like to see this, that, and that. Here's my foot problem, and blah, blah, blah. Other people come in the store, they want to be left alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they frankly, get out of my face. Right. You, you know? And we want to be, you know, accommodating to both. And everything in between. But the person who wants to be left alone, we're going to make darn sure we say, hey, good morning. Welcome. Have a good time. Let us know if we can help. I always feel like um, uh, all my old friends work there. And I don't know everybody or most of the people. I'm intermittent. You know, I might not come in for a month or two. And it's retail. So I imagine there's some level of turnover in retail uh, just by virtue of what that is. But the the stamp is the same. The experience is the same. And, and, and I, as someone who runs businesses and speaks about the importance of process, those are the things you notice that that probably makes me somewhat weird. My wife says, Jeff, nobody else thinks about that. I'm like, well, I do because that's what I do for a living. And that's one well, of the now, things. See, now people come in, all they want to talk about is wild society coffee. Oh, man, that was such a good plug, man. I don't know. (laughs) I feel like that was good. Thank you for saying that. You guys, well, you were first. When we were an idea and we, oh, sorry, John, we we had gotten a big shipment of coffee in and I was like, okay, well, I guess now we got to go sell it. And um, I think I'm not talking about this in the context of of excitement, but we made a huge commitment in a really bad idea. Okay. And, and that was coffee, but it was motivated by the fact that one, and this is my opinion, not John's Starbucks just doesn't like our whole world. They don't like guns. They don't like hunting. They don't like conservatism, which is a lot of our customers. Not all. There's certainly some folks from every spectrum and we, we love all of them, but they've come out pretty hard against us in this industry, in this community, if you will. And so we were in a hunting, we were hunting on the side of a mountain and we were like, we're all pouring Starbucks via into our cup and adding hot water. And I'm like, you know, the left is so good at voting with their wallet. But as conservatives, we we traditionally haven't. We're just too busy, I guess, trying to work or something. I don't know, whatever it is, we're too busy. But I said, you know what? This is wrong. Like, how hard can it be to make instant coffee? And the answer is, it was freaking incredibly hard. And, and the biggest part of it was finding a way to do it where we could be price competitive with a product that was as good or better. And, and kudos to Starbucks. They're good at coffee. I mean, we can say whatever we want. They're obviously done something right. And um, so they were our, they were our benchmark. And so we went through a lot of no's and, and we hired the world's foremost coffee sommelier. Do you believe there's actually a, a it was a dude, I, I there's a person it. out there that is that. Yeah. And we hired this person and, and they were, um, they were the taste test. They mattered. And it went to them first. And if they said no, we didn't even taste it. In the end, I'm so happy we did it. But it's sort of my Duckworth. How's that? Yeah, man. Heck yeah. I'm so proud of you. Congratulations. It's going to be huge. 
uh, we're happy to, you know, you put us play in play a very tiny little role, but um, it was a big role because you needed the first domino to fall before everybody else was like, yeah, we always knew it was going to be a great idea. So the first person who said yes was you. Well, thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you very much. You've made a difference. We employ people here today because of a simple yes. And sometimes we don't realize the impact that we have on other people, but I don't want to miss the opportunity to thank you and yours because not only did you guys say yes, you said, how can we help? You've been amazing. We've been able to come down and do tastings and, and just, I was in the other day and you guys have a new coffee bar set up in the gun room, which is super cool. And I was like, we want to give you guys coffee. We'll, we'll provide it for free because we want to be there. We want to support those who have been good to us. (laughs) And your guys are super cool because they know the story too. And even if they're new, they acted like they knew everything and they were like, sweet. Yeah, we'll put a little sign up for you guys and everything. And, and, and my folks, when I got back and told them about it, my daughter actually packed the box up and I think she was there the next day. Yeah, I saw it. And, and you played like three dimensional chess and I, I, I played one dimensional chess, but I was like, you know, I should really give Jeff a call and say, would you mind if we did some wild society coffee in this? Cause it was my mind, my, you know, and, and uh, we've got this old fashioned coffee maker back it's there. So cool. The whole scene is cool. I sent you a text. It was like, I came in the store and I love going there. It's so authentic. It is Montana. Everything about it says Montana. And and it there's a, there's something for everybody there. It, you don't have to be a hunter. You just have to love the outdoors, which is what Montana is, right? Well, that's just it, you know. And it's like, for goodness sakes, the country's a tad divided these days. And uh, a th- a thing that that we can do, I think, to help is is be a place of common ground. You know? Amen. And if you want to come in if you if you see yourself as left leaning or or voting a particular way that that's all right this is america that's what we do you know but for crying out loud let's talk about things in a civil tone of voice let's ha, let's let's rekindle the art of discussion and conversation wow. so that we can you know let's just be friends again be be friends and and then if we if, we, if there's a serious topic that needs discussion and in the hunting world, there's a lot of it. Believe it or not, there's new people in town who don't know a lot about hunting. We take it for granted. Um, there's not a lot of people who are opposed to hunting in Montana, but there's a few. Um, you have a right to that opinion. And if you'd like to discuss it, come on in. I'll get you a Wild Society coffee and we can talk about it. That's just the nature of, of human interaction. And I, I think... Many people, whatever your political persuasion might be, we would do well to to be a little more uh, conversational around topics where we might disagree. You know, I think that's such a beautiful thing to say, and it's so true. And and I think our media is more divided than our people. Yeah. I, you know, my mother-in-law, who I love beyond the realm of comprehension, she's an amazing woman. And she raised my wife, who is a super person as well, in my opinion, in most people's opinion. She, they can't figure out why she's with me. But um, she's left. She's a lefty. But she hunt, her husband, my father-in-law, hunts. And they have – we mirror our values. We just have a little different opinion on what the right way is. But well, sure. it doesn't change how I feel. We can talk and, and have fun together. And it doesn't have to be just my mother-in-law. It can be everybody. There's room for all of us. Wild Society in, in its foundational uh, mission of why is – 
to benefit conservation, and that benefits all of us. Here, here. And the conservation story in Montana, for those who may not know, is unbelievable. It is. It's an incredible story. And we love to tell it because 120 years ago, pretty much everything was wiped out in Montana. Yeah. I mean, not just the buffalo. Everything. Deer, elk, antelope. It was really bad. And 120 years later, we're pretty much back to all-time highs. Yeah. So it's an incredible success story that uh, we shouldn't lose sight of. And we should make sure that young people understand and people who might have grown up in an urban area who are coming out and experiencing the West, maybe for the first time, understand the, the culture and you know what has happened to, to lead us to this place where we have abundant, free-ranging fish, wildlife. Yeah. And that we all can enjoy. That we can all enjoy. Yeah. And it, it is incredible. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, my, my, you know, politics aside, it's like we, we try to be a place of common ground and treat everyone uh, as a human being and give a welcoming uh, place for, for people to come experience, you know, what we have to offer. And I think you I, do a great job. I just that, think Law Society Coffee is going to be sensational. Thank you. Yeah. We're about to launch the new line of freeze-dried foods, and that's something that we'll talk about in another episode. But I'm, I'm going to lean on you at some point to probably be the first yes again, if you don't mind. I'm, I'm a yes right now. It's, it's going to be off the charts. Just everybody hang tight. This one's going to be really good. <laughs> Thanks, John. Well, I know this. I know you are a busy man. And you have a lot of responsibilities and that you made some time for me today means an awful lot to me. Um, Enjoyed it so much, man. This was great. It was I, fun. We'll thanks. do it again. This yeah, is fun. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, I like talking with John with no microphone. So I knew we were going to have a good time on the podcast. I enjoyed so. the heck out of it, man. Thanks yeah. a bunch. Anything you want to leave everybody with? Anything that you wish they'd know about you or Schnee's before we leave? Oh, good grief. Uh Let's see. That's a tough question. I guess. Um, Big introductions coming? Come on. Yeah, yeah. We've got a new boot coming out June 1. So look for that. And then we're working on a bunch of other stuff. Probably won't be till next year. But um, yeah, it's uh, come on down. We're, we're downtown. We're, we're only uh, Schnee boots are available at Schnee's or in our store. And uh, hope to see you. Yeah. Don't don't miss out on an opportunity for a great product, guys. Go down to Bozeman and, and downtown Bozeman and go to Schnee's. You'll really love the store, love the product, and love the people. So, John, thank you again, and thanks for coming in. And let's do this again. Maybe we'll do this after we go on a hunt together sometime. Perfect. It's a date. All right. All right. Thanks, thanks everyone. Jeff. Yeah, yeah.